Welcome to Culture Crossings, a podcast for globally mobile millennials with cross-cultural identities. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Asuka. With the COVID-19 crisis, this is a very difficult time for everyone. And so first off, we'd like to thank the frontline workers uh, for working on this pandemic as we stay home to keep safe. And from some of our friends, we've been hearing how this experience is making them feel anxious, stressed, and even guilty for not being productive. And this is why we wanted to um, reiterate how some of the mental health professionals are saying that it's important to normalize these feelings. It's actually normal to feel unproductive because, let's face it, it's really hard to keep up your concentration when you're sick or taking care of others on top of your work. For example, in my case, I've been talking to my family in Japan, trying to take care of the food supply for my grandmother who doesn't have an internet at home. So it it is a lot of multitasking that we're all doing. And so with a lot of time at home nowadays, many people are inevitably finding more time or the need to cook at home. So in this episode, we wanted to deliver something that can be resourceful and hopefully helpful for your health. And we want to do this by delving into cultural approaches to nutrition and wellness. And specifically, we'll focus on some Asian practices. Yes, so we're actually having a guest later in the show today. Dr. Yang will be talking to us about how we can enhance our health through nutrition and traditional Chinese medicine. But yes, before that, we wanted to share our own experiences with food and nutrition. So Asuka, you know, having grown up in Japan, and Japan is known for being healthy, and a lot of people have really long lifespans too. So what was it like growing up? Did you experience a lot of education regarding food and nutrition? Yeah, so um, in thinking about, you know, how to stay healthy, yeah, I think it's important that we kind of take a step back from this current crisis and sort of remember what we already know or heard from what our family members were saying back when we were, you know, in childhood. What I grew up with, I think most of it came from my grandmother who's already actually passed away but she lived in her late 80s and she grew up in this prefecture called Chizuoka which is well known for um, producing um, Japanese green tea leaves and oranges so I remember whenever I went to her home there were card boxes and boxes of mandarin oranges and she would drink like what two liters or half a gallon of green tea almost every day Wow. Yeah. Um, Well, there's no, of course, you know, scientific evidence that these, you know, practices actually contributed to her well-being. But I'm pretty sure um, she practiced this almost every day. And she was the one who showed me, for example, when you have a sore throat, you could even goggle with green tea or she would usually cook a jar of honey syrup made with kumquat fruit so it's like this small like orange looking fruit have you seen them before yeah yeah so she would sort of boil them to make honey syrup you would have it as uh, a snack or you could even you know make tea out of it 
And she also used lots of green onions for meals and things. Did you find that they were actually effective? For example, you know, making the syrup when you have a sore throat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it worked for me. So whenever I feel like some itchiness in my throat, or if I feel like I might, you know, start having a cold, I would try to look for these kind of citrusy syrup or try to make something like that at home. And for example, out of our family sort of knowledge,、um, I know that, for example, in Japanese elementary schools, there's some programs called Shokuiku. It's literally written in two Chinese characters. Meaning、uh, to eat and to sort of nurture or grow. This is like a culinary class where students who are a lot younger than us will learn about traditional Japanese meal cooking and like why it matters to have a balanced diet. Because a lot of people nowadays are shifting away from these traditional Japanese diet, and so I think the initiative was created so that you know healthy practices can be passed down. Even though you know Japanese food is well known to be healthy, but it does have a bit of salt. It's on the more on the salty end. So I'm not saying like you know everything Japanese is healthy. But that's really cool though that you actually have that kind of education in your elementary schools. Because I remember like in grade seven, I was in Canada already,、mm-hmm. and in even in high school, I don't think we had any classes regarding how to. Deal with nutrition. We had PE, of course, like physical education, but that was it. And usually for our school hot lunches, we'd have pizza. You know,、oh, really, <laughs> like not not really healthy, right? So it's really cool that in Japan they had that kind of education in elementary schools. Yeah, well, I don't remember quite well if I. Had it when I was there, but nowadays they seem to have it, and also to learn about other cultures through meals. For myself, I remember we used to go to the Chinese doctor a lot, as well as Western trained doctors as well. But yeah, I guess what I remember most about my childhood regarding nutrition is that my mom would always go to the Chinese doctor. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, when we got home, she would be making these elixirs of just different herbs that tasted really nasty. Oh no! And was, and I just hated taking them, but we would always be made to take all these different concoctions. I don't even know what was in them, but my mom would just say, "Oh, just take it. It's good for you." That's impressive that those practices were literally embedded in your daily lives. Yeah. So I really hated it though when I was little, and so that's why I hated taking medicine, any kind of medication. I would just always. Have that memory of it be tasting really bad,、mm. but then I remember it was a couple years ago. I had really bad stomach problems, and you know I didn't know what it was, and so I think at that point was when I really appreciated the more traditional methods of just taking herbs instead of antibiotics. Which, if you take too much, we all know it can damage your internal organs. So that's why at that point I preferred to. Do the traditional way,、mm-hmm. yeah. So I actually asked my mom to come with me to the Chinese doctor. <laughs> so that was a change from when I was little, and you know they gave me a concoction of herbs that we had to cook for like. 
six hours. Oh wow! Um, and I I had to take it like maybe twice a day for like five days, and after that I felt so much better. I don't know if it's like a placebo effect, but you know, <laughs> it, but I felt that it did do the job. Yeah, and I felt better after that, and I didn't really have the same kind of symptoms anymore. And so, how about nowadays, especially dealing with isolation and as you said, people are cooking more. Do you find that you're trying a lot more new stuff, or do you still like to go back to what you've had before when you were growing up? Yeah, so I feel like I tried to put a lot more healthy ingredients, for like ginger, goji berries, or garlic and green onions. These sort of things that I was accustomed to know that they will, you know, do good things for your body. I tend to still look for cooking methods that doesn't take up too much time. Sometimes it's nice to cook using a lot of time, but it doesn't also mean that we can let go of other things we need to do, right? So things I've been trying to do are like using pressure cooker or slow cooker. A friend of mine really recommended us to get one, and it's been a fantastic tool. Like I got it sometime before this pandemic came out. Yeah, we were like experimenting by making stew or putting some chicken drumsticks and then making a Vietnamese fall like soup um, because you can pressure cook with just you know under an hour you can get really really good nutritious you know soup and things and I've also realized that some of the dried ingredients that I brought from home or got them in New York have been quite useful for example like Japanese dried shiitake mushrooms or dried kombu like kelp how about you Phoebe like what have you been sort of cooking these days yeah I'm I'm like you I don't really like to I guess spend a lot of time cooking as well so what I do is I'll make a lot and then I'll have it for a few days so I don't cook every day Mm -hmm. but yeah I do try to at least be a little bit healthier so I drink a vegetable juice every morning wow yeah yeah so that's my breakfast and then for lunch I'll usually have some kind of meat I do it really simple so I'll just have a chicken or beef and then just marinate it in some soy sauce or you know teriyaki sauce and then for vegetables usually I like to roast it or bake it put it in the oven Yeah, and then just season it with salt and pepper, and it's really good because then you kind of get that um, crispiness or crunchiness to it. But I find that I tend to crave a lot of snacks. Yeah. (laughs) And I really like salty stuff. I snack a lot on like chips, so I try not to have them at home because then I'll end up like eating too much. Yeah, how about you? Do you have any like struggles with any food when you're home? (laughs) Just kind of going back to what you said, like I also wanted to, I I really relate to how you cook a lot because when you cook a lot, and for example, I use Ziplocs to freeze stuff in the freezer. Freezer is also an amazing tool, right? Like you can cook a lot of, for example, like curry or whatever and just keep them so you don't have to cook all the time or nowadays you can only get certain stuff from groceries so you just have to be I guess creative in how you use ingredients but yeah like I definitely 
think somehow sitting at home makes you crave for food or snacks maybe a lot more often than when you used to go outside and do stuff. So I've been trying to move my body more. Like in the morning, I do some stretches. And then also like before lunch and after lunch, I try to do it again. And somehow moving or doing some sort of stretches keeps your mind off you know, craving for food. But I also heard that snacking isn't always bad. It's actually, <laughs> I actually do like eat some, you know, prunes or nuts or like all these kind of snacks after breakfast, before lunch, or yeah, like before I cook because when I'm too hungry, like I can't concentrate on cooking. So I end up munching on those things. Yeah, the thing is, it is good to snack and your snacks are really healthy, but for me, what I really struggle the most is I crave really salty stuff like chips or fries. Yeah. Yeah. So I have nuts instead, but they're just not the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 couldn't, I can hear you because uh, even though I try to put those healthy snacks in front of my eyes so that whenever I want to snack, you know, they're there. But maybe, you know, like I'll still have some, for example, like potato chips on Friday night or decide um, maybe setting a day or like a treat day for yourself, you know, after doing something you wanted to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, having a cheat day, it's not a bad thing as long as you balance it with healthy food the rest of the time. Oh, and I've also decided to quit coffee. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I do drink coffee every day in the morning so I haven't had coffee for the past week okay for the past week I've had two two out of seven days <laughs> but it's really hard because I really do like the taste and the smell of coffee so I've been trying to replace it with tea it's not the same I like tea but coffee is a lot more acidic than tea yeah it's not good I think in the long term for your digestion but that's a lot of change I think many people are also going through some kind of habit change yeah I think this is also a good time to reset as well mm -hmm. if you want to incorporate new routines or have a different kind of lifestyle I think this would be a good time to do it for sure like do you do any other things to relax or do you stress? Yeah, so I do try to work out, but I just work out at home. So I work out with an app and I do some HIIT, high intensity interval training at home. And I work out for about half an hour. How about you? Well, yeah, like we've been having like small walks outside of the home, uh, maybe a month ago. But since then, we literally stopped going outside. Just because, you know, I guess New York is maybe a lot more risky compared to Toronto. And also, you know, just in case we don't want to spread anything to others. So we've been staying at home and I find that um, there's a lot more time to, for example, write or read. And I think New York Public Library has been lending ebooks for free. Those kind of services I'm very thankful for because I think those other sort of arts and culture services are really important to sort of keep our creativity going and keeping our health both physically but also mentally. Yeah, and so with that, I 
also wanted to share some of the culinary inspired books or movies if anyone's interested. So my suggestions are all related to food. The first one is called A Hundred Foot Journey by Richard Moray. The movie was produced in 2014, but it's based on a novel. It's fiction. It's it's like a competition and collaboration between Indian and French chefs. The second one is the New York Times bestseller uh, Samin Nosrat's book and also the Netflix show called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. She travels around the world to seek for sources of flavors, and I think that's also very inspiring. And the last one is called The Chef of South Polar, produced in 2009. And this is also a film. It's a Japanese film based on an autobiographical novel by Jun Nishimura. And what's interesting about this is I think it really relates to what we're experiencing nowadays because he was assigned to work as a chef for the research team in the South Pole where Obviously, you will face um, limited supplies in terms of cooking, but you still got to feed the team. And food really acts as like an energizing power to bring everyone together. And it has a lot of humor, too. So I think in this kind of severe condition, I think it's also a very interesting one to watch. So now we'd like to welcome Dr. John Yang, who is in Vancouver. Dr. Yang graduated from Hainan University Medical School and has a PhD in Chinese medicine from Guangzhou University of Chinese Medicine in China. He has been Dean and Clinic Director at the PCU College of Holistic Medicine in Burnaby, British Columbia for 12 years. Currently, he is the Chair of the Traditional Chinese Medicine Program at Kwantlen Polytechnic University in Richmond, British Columbia. He is also the Chair of the Education Committee and Vice President of the Association of Traditional Chinese Medicine and Acupuncture in British Columbia and serves as a board member to other traditional Chinese medicine committees. So thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Yang. Yeah, so first of all, can you give us an introduction of what is traditional Chinese medicine? Traditional Chinese medicine does cover variety range of the natural approach to keep the human health and it's come from the ancient time from China, at least 2,000 years ago. The traditional Chinese medicine, capsule as a TCM, include two major branch. One branch is by using acupuncture to help people return to their health. Uh, the second branch is use a natural herbal medicine to help people to return to health. But both of them share the same theory to apply their modality. Can you explain more about what that theory is? The theory is talking about energy, which means qi. The term is called qi. It's called vital energy. For their belief, there is a vital energy running the body. This vital energy, there are two major aspects. as a yang energy and yin energy. It should be complement and then balanced, harmonized, running in the body. But due to 
different circumstances like a weather change, working too much, emotional distress, that could possible interrupt the energy running in the body. So in that case, when the energy imbalance, the body will show different symptoms. And therefore, TCM practitioner can go to ask the patient or people, where is the problem? What do they feel? And what kind of symptom? Then they may take a look their the tongue, the color, the coating, those information combined with the taking the pulse. All those information they come to idea about which channel of the meridian or the energy get interrupt or which one is off balance. Is it too much yang energy or too much yin energy? Then the practitioner will know how to correct based on this theory. Okay, so from what I understand is traditional Chinese medicine is a way to balance the qi or the vital energy in the body, right? And then you talked about yin and yang. Can you explain a little bit more about what the yin and yang energy oh, that's is? A, that's a good question about what's yin and yang. This is one of the uh, main theory in the TCM practice. What that yin and yang mean is that TCM see the natural phenomena include the human body. There are two forces, energy. One, any energy related to warm, warming up and outgoing or exciting and bright, that kind of energy is uh, yang energy. So opposite to anything make dark, very cold, very silent or without energy, that we can see is a yin aspect of the force. So this this two opposite, but they are harmonized each other. Like a daytime, the people have to wake up. There's a yang energy in walking. Nighttime, yin energy has to walk, make people sleep. So this is briefly talking about yin and yang. Some people feel very hot. Some people feel very cold. You know, their hands and feet always feel cold. That means that person, the yin energy is too much. No much yang energy. But if it's a people always feel hot, that we can understand this people is a more yang energy in the body. So this is a, the yin and yang, two aspects of the energy in the opposite, but they are not against each other. They are in complement, they're working together. When the people are in the rest and they're sleeping rest, the yin energy working. When the people are in exciting, working, thinking, and outgoing, the yang energy in work. Uh, but every time the people need yin and yang in order to balance, some people cannot just say, I always working without sleep, without rest. 
then the body will damage their health. So that's why the yin and yang is in always in a balanced situation. Right. Um. Thank you so much for sharing the basic understanding and theory. It's really interesting to know about the qi. Um, I was only accustomed to it by hearing, for example, um, there's tai chi or in martial arts the concept. Qi is a very fundamental knowledge. So sort of going back to the traditional Chinese medicine itself in terms of the natural herbal medicine that you were uh, mentioning. Could you perhaps uh, speak about what kind of nutrition is important for immunity, especially in the context of pandemic that we are experiencing right now? I see. This is a big topic. Uh, first of all, uh, I know in, the, in China, the government is encouraged the policy of using herbal medicine to integrate into the medical system. So in China, they have a, every hospital, they use a herbal medicine to help those people has been diagnosed with COVID-19. And they have a statistic show that the patient take the herbal medicine and the patient without taking herbal medicine, there is a five times much better than those uh, without take the herbal medicine. But in, in Canada, it's a little bit different. We are not allowed to say that herbal medicine can treat COVID-19, but we can use the terminology of apply the herbal medicine to help the people gain strength or immunity, increase the vital energy. We can say that. Right. Um, I was more interested in the basic sort of day-to-day -day practices to keep your immunity. Um, not necessarily in this sort of COVID-19 sense, because right now there's so many studies going on. And I think it's very hard to pinpoint what treatment works best. But uh, we are more interested in the general um, effects of Chinese herbal medicine. And in thinking about that, um, what kind of food or vegetables we can use in our daily cooking to keep up our health and what kind of, for example, ingredients, whether it be spices or vegetables, have those kind of key nutrients and how we can integrate that into our daily life? Oh, sounds good. That's a, that's a good question. We just, generally speaking, for the public, uh, no matter they they don't have any symptom or they they just want to enhance their well-being and they want mm -hmm. to stay healthy, they can do do few things uh, according to TCM approach. As you may know, the principle of the TCM is a uh, vital energy. They have this ability to avoid or fence off the. Uh, evil qi. What is the evil energy? The TCN language talking about any pathogenic factors that include bacteria, virus, fungus, anything we call exterior evil qi. Then our body, everyone we are, we are born with very strong defense energy. That energy can protect our body. 
that defense energy translate into the biomedical language. Maybe it's just a immune system we call defense qi. And then in the TCM practice, there are quite a few steps can increase or boost the people's defense qi. First of all, as now everyone uh, in Vancouver or in, in Canada or even U.S., the people stay home, isolate. Suddenly, people has a lot of time at home now. But people should use their time to engage any kind of exercise which is suitable for their age group. The, anything that doing moving, that means promote their defense energy in the body. This is one. So we are not recommend people just lazy, you know, sit down on the couch uh, waiting for the time. So need to be actively involved with some kind of exercise at home. Do something. Meditation, practice Tai Chi, practice yoga, or anything. Second, emotionally, we need to regulate our own emotional status. According to Tixian theory, the people we are depressed situation, the defense chi get lower. Uh, number three, uh, we talk talk about daily diet. Daily, we have to eat something properly. We eat warm. We always ask the patient, warm is a very important because uh, introduce cold that will consume our body's yang energy will affect the defense uh, defense chi. So, for example, the people may want to see, I just follow the government of health authority, isolate myself, uh, wash my hand, uh, when I go outside, wear the mask. And that's a good thing to practice. But there's a one very single thing that people can do to protect themselves from the uh, virus or other infection uh, disease. They can use uh, one of the most common food. People use garlic. If they use the garlic, the one way is smash the garlic into one tablespoon. You know, when you smash the garlic, you can smell the garlic smell. Very strong, right? This one is a very good thing to protect the people from the pathogenic factor invasion. So put in the one tablespoon and hold this tablespoon into your mouth. Don't swallow Garlic must be fresh. Don't cook that garlic. Put in the mouth. Inhale that smell into the lung and hold it as long as possible. Let this garlic smell get into the lung and then take the spoon out twice a day. That, that smell can get into the lung that will protect the line interior and if any pathogenic factor. Yes, that's great to know, Dr. Yang, because the garlic is something that is very yeah. accessible. I know in Canada, some people doesn't want the garlic smell, but people stay home, don't worry about the smell, the bread, they say bad bread. Don't worry, <laughs> this, is a, this is a good ingredient, that, that's the, that smell, you know, those kind of things. 
is the good for the, the body. If this method is a simple, it's cheap, there's a no side effect. If it doesn't help you, it doesn't hurt you. But if people don't want to do that, there is another food we can eat to increase the defense cheap. Some of them very cheap, some of them expensive, like a loyal jelly. Take a two, one or two teaspoon loyal jelly, one or two slice of fresh ginger, get into the cup, and then boiling water and mix and drink a cup a day. So this one is a simple. It's also help people boost their defense cheap. Another one you can buy is called date. I don't know people use or know. Yes, I think it's quite common to find. I mean, to find in the superstore. Yeah, and another is called wolfberry or goji berry. This one is very common mm-hmm. uh, in the herbal medicine, but also in the is belong to food category. Okay, green onion, mushroom, those few things is helpful if you introduce into your daily food. Some make you delicious, some of them you make and not that delicious, but it's helpful. I'm so glad to hear this because I've been actually using some of these ingredients that my family has sort of taught me when I was younger to put it into your cooking. And so it's it's really kind of reaffirming to hear that these ingredients have good nutrients yeah, so for you. Yeah, so it depends on each people that daily, what kind of food they eat is a little bit different, but there's a few things. Uh, I list is it, it belong to Chinese medicine, but also is a Chinese people uh, daily eat those things uh, as well. So the Chinese medicine see the food, use food as a medicine. This is a very general for everyone. But some people say, oh, what happened? And now um, I have a, a chronic illness. I have a very low energy and then very easy to catch a cold or easy to get sick. Of course, th- those group people will be, they can go to buy some herbal medicine, a little bit expensive one, like a ginseng. Each individual is conditioned differently. So I wouldn't recommend the people just go to buy. They need to consulting with local registered TCM practitioner, then will be suitable. Thank you, Dr. Yang. And uh, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but um, while it's great to hear about these effects of traditional Chinese medicine, how would you respond to those who say it's not scientific enough or if it's evidence-based? And for example, how do you know if it's... Yes, uh, we always uh, face this kind of question. As you may know, beside China, because China, this traditional Chinese medicine, the government, they have a uh, lot of research funding to have a clinical research uh, data. But in Western world, there is a no uh, research fund for TCM. But the people, the public say, I don't care. I, I know the acupuncture work. I know the herb make me feel better. And that's why when you're asking about the health uh, science, uh, evidence, those kind of things, I cannot make common uh, because we don't, even though Kwanlun Politic University, this is the first public u- university offer TCM acupuncture program. We don't have budget to do the scientific research. 
if we don't have that budget to do research, we cannot answer in the scientific way. But the people assume uh, this is uh, the government regulate the profession, so that people just practice to use. And then, if you say you don't have a scientific background uh, evidence, yes, we don't have now. As soon as we get a budget, we can do and show you the evidence. But now I don't have available、uh, statistics. But most of the question、right. we want to know is that、uh, this medicine, this one, help people? Yes or no? That's important. If、uh, people feel receive this medicine is helpful, that means that this is a demand, the public demand. Right, and for something that's based on natural ingredients, I believe it's a very complex mixture of effects. Yeah, because、uh, as well. Yeah, another thing is because to do the medical research, we have to follow scientific way to do it. For scientific way to do some research, you must fix certain condition. But after analysis, there's hundreds of component. They all component boiling to the soup. They're working together, but when they're doing scientific, they cannot do hundred component analysis at the same time. They have to fix in one particular one. Therefore, it's a very challenge project.、Mm-hmm, right, and、um, you know, as you know, there's the Chinese diaspora all over the world. How do you think this has affected traditional Chinese medicine, or? How has Western medicine influenced traditional Chinese medicine? Oh yes, the, according to our practice,、uh, even though in China and here now in the human, no matter Western medicine, Chinese medicine, every medicine is a purpose to help people recover from illness, help them to stay healthy. That's every medicine want to do that. How to do that? They may come from different. Angle to see the health in different way. For Western medicine, they see the human health in a scientific way. For Chinese medicine, they see the human health in the energy、uh, balance way. So the best approach is integrated. So each one has their very strong advantage. But if this both medicine. Combination, integrate together. Let the public have a, a choice. So this one, this kind of situation, you can use the herbal or acupuncture. This kind of situation, you must use a Western approach. So if allow these two medicine working together, will be the best interest of the public. Right. That's all the questions I have. For you today, Aska, did you have anything more to add? Okay. Yes. Thank、oh. you so much. Yes. <laughs> thank、yeah. you. Thank you very much.、Uh, okay. Thanks so much. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Culture Crossings. This has been Phoebe and Aska. To learn more about us and interact with us, visit our website 2020culturecrossings.wordpress.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye.